Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Some of you guys, you feel like God's given up on you. Some of you guys, your life, it's got a mushroom cloud above it. You have made mistakes. Things have gone wrong. You've given in to strongholds. You've given in to sin. And you feel maybe the enemy's telling you, God's done with you. God didn't want to have anything to do with you anymore. And I want to say to you today, and I say this confidently, God will not give up on you. Do you feel like you're a masterpiece under construction? Well, if you've asked Jesus to come into your life, to rescue you and to be your savior, then you are. And Philippians 1.6 says God will finish the good work he has started in you until it is complete. With more on the only one who can complete us out of Hebrews 13, 15 through 25, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. Father, we want to thank you again for your word. The waters of your word really do run deep and they get into us and it changes us. It grows in our lives and brings about work and change and it's alive and we thank you that we gather together not to hear what men have to say, but what your spirit says. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher as we take time to pour into your word now. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The title of our message today is Complete in Him, a Masterpiece. And I want to talk to you today about what it means to be completed by God. That God is doing a work in you. He's the one who started it and he's the one who's going to finish it. And he is going to complete you. I want to start today with a movie quote. I don't do that often, but I want to do it today. In fact, I'm going to start this service with a nauseating movie quote. All right, you guys ready for this? Here's the quote. You guys will know it. You complete me. Ah, I don't know if Renee Zellwinger or Tom Cruise ever completed anybody in their lives. I don't know if it's possible for one person to complete another person unless the person is the person of the Godhead, unless it is God. Because one day you and I will be able to say to him, you complete me and that's the only time that it won't be nauseating because it's said to someone who really did complete you look at our text look at verse 20 it says now may the God of peace who brought the Lord Jesus from the dead is there any greater work than Jesus being brought from the dead that great shepherd this is the one brought from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep you have a great shepherd it's not me you have men that that serve as an under shepherd to the Lord but he's the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Now you read that without the parentheses, verse 20, now may the God of peace, then verse 21, make you complete in every good work to do his will. It is God who will complete you. And this even becomes more powerful when you understand the text. Because Hebrews chapter 13 is about Christian conduct. All the way from verse 1 where it starts by saying let brotherly love continue all the way to chapter 19 he's just going through a list and it's a rapid fire kind of a list 
You can break it up. You can follow his thoughts as he writes them. He writes, first of all, about brotherly love and compassion and sympathy towards those that are, that are struggling. And then he turns to your walk with the Lord and things that you do for yourself, making sure that you're living your life in a proper way. And here in our text, starting in verse 15, he turns to the way that we interact among each other. As we gather together, he had said earlier in the book of Hebrews, don't neglect the gathering of yourself together as is the habit of some. And I realize that you guys are here. And I'm preaching to the choir quite literally. The ones who really need to hear that verse are the people who aren't here, right? Not only the ones that aren't here for a week or two, but they're the ones that just don't gather together. But now in this section, he says, when you gather together, here's what I want you to do. Make sure that you're doing these things. But then when the list is done of, of conduct, Christian conduct, Christian character, here's how you're supposed to live. When he gets to the end, aren't you glad that he doesn't say, if you do these things, you will be complete. Because if that's the case, then we'd be getting out our, our pencils. We'd be making lists. We got to do all of these things because once we do all of these things and we get our checklist all checked off, then we're going to be complete in Christ. I love that he talks about Christian character and then at the end says, and God's going to make you complete. Jesus is the one who's going to complete you. You aren't going to be complete as you go out and try to do everything God has caused you to do. You're going to be complete as you surrender to him and God works in you. Some of you guys, you feel like God's given up on you. Some of you guys, your life, it's got a mushroom cloud above it. You have made mistakes. Things have gone wrong. You've given in to strongholds. You've given in to sin. And you feel maybe the enemy's telling you, God's done with you. God didn't want to have anything to do with you anymore. And I want to say to you today, and I say this confidently, God will not give up on you. God hasn't given up on you. He'll leave the 99 and go after the one. He can complete your life from where it's at today. And if you have caused your life to go into complete and total ruins, God is able to come back in and fix it back up. He's in the job of fixing lives up. I love what Paul says in Romans 7. Paul says, the very things that I want to do, I don't do. And the very things I, that I don't want to do, those are the things that I end up doing. Any of you guys ever feel that way? Oh, whenever I, all of us, right? All of us have been there. And then Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, it is Jesus Christ. For there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus even told a woman caught in the act of adultery, caught in the very act. Woman, where are your accusers? And she said, they're all gone. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Jesus built her up. Go your way and sin no more. He didn't accept her in her sin. He said, go your way and sin no more. But he didn't give up on her caught in that very act. And if your life is laying in ruins, God's not done with you. God's not giving up on you. He'll build you back up again. And he is in the business of restoring. God can do that. But now as we turn now to verse 15, we talk about conduct for us as Christians. What does God want going on when we gather together here and when we're, we're together with other Christians. Well, our verse starts off in verse 15 by saying, therefore, and anytime there's a therefore, you got to find out what it's there for, right? So if you look at this, you go back to 13, there's another therefore, and then 12, there's another therefore. <laughs> so it's like the stack of therefores, therefore, therefore, therefore. Well, this therefore comes from, we would go look all the way back to 13. Therefore, let us go forth outside the camp, bearing the reproach. That is, come out from among the world, Christians, and bear the reproach of Christ. 
If you live wholeheartedly for God, if you lay it down, if you have a reckless abandon, if you give everything to him, the world's going to reproach you, but they're gonna reproach you because of Jesus. Go outside of the camp, be separate and live differently and bear the reproach that comes with Christ. Then it goes on to say in verse 14, for here we have no continuing city. I love Tucson. I'm so glad that God has called me here to pastor. Back when I was 25 years old and Skip Heitzig said to me, look, there's not a Calvary in Tucson. And did you think about going there? Uh, he had been trying to get me to go to Santa Fe, but I didn't want to go to Santa Fe. It was weird. So I don't want to go. But Skip said, pray about going to Tucson. And something just kind of lifted in my Tucson, huh? And here's what Skip said. You got to understand that Skip is a Southern California guy. All right. He's an old beach bum. And so Skip says to me, go to Tucson. There's not a Calvary there. And you know what? They have palm trees. That's really what he said. Oh, by all means, I need to go. They have palm trees there. That's, that's where I need to be just because there are palm trees there. I honestly can say there is no place that I would rather minister than in Tucson. And I love the body that God has brought together here. However, this is not our continuing city. One day we'll be taken away from here into a city we don't know much about. You know, when you study the scriptures, heaven is one of those mysterious places there are things that we know about it, but we are looking at a mirror dimly or we are looking through a veil when it comes to heaven. Do you know that even who you are going to be, who you, what you are going to be like in eternity that we don't even know yet? Did you know that? When some pastor teaches and says, I want to talk to you today about exactly what you are going to be like throughout eternity. Well, he needs to read 1 John 3, 2. Here's what it says. Dear friends, now we are the children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. I don't know if that scares you or excites you, <laughs> that what you are going to be has, is, we don't even know. He goes on to say though, but we know this, that when Jesus appears, we will be like him for we shall see him as he is. Hey, we truly live by faith, don't we? We don't know everything about heaven. It's like a mirror dimly. We don't know everything about what we are going to be, but we know that we're going to be like him. So we now are living our lives for him. So therefore, we don't have a continuing city, but we have one that is to come, one that we look forward to. Now, therefore, what we ought to do while we're here is verse 15, therefore, by him, we're not doing this because we've determined to do it, but God's going to stir it up in us. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. A sacrifice is something you give. A sacrifice is something that costs you something. That's what a sacrifice is. So he says, therefore, since we aren't living in this city, let us therefore offer up a continual sacrifice of praise. That is not only that when we gather together that we would be worshipers. And again, to some degree, this campus especially, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys know how to worship, all right? And you guys love to worship and that's great. But every once in a while you see somebody and I'm not saying that while worship is going on, you start looking around and judging whether or not people are worshiping, all right? But I've done that already for you. So I'll share this with you that once in a while, I'll look around and worship and I see people that are just like this. Now, I don't know. You might be worshiping. It's really worshiping from the heart that matters, right? But I doubt most people like this. 99.9% .9 of them aren't worshiping. There might be the one inside. He's really like, praise God. He's just like going berserk. But on the outside, that's what he's doing. You might say, well, I'm a more subdued person. Let it go, okay? Now, I'm not telling you to worship out of accord. The Bible says worship in one accord. That doesn't mean we all shove into a Honda. <laughs> ba -ba bump right? Okay. <laughs> that means that when we worship together, it's like a room that's together. 
That tells us that for you offbeat clappers that are here, stop it. Okay? Know what I'm talking about? Everybody in the room, everybody in the room is bump, 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 bump. And here you are. Bump, 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 bump. I don't know what's going on. If you can't clap on time, if you can't be in one accord, don't clap. Don't ever do the offbeat clapping, all right? Don't ever do <laughs> the offbeat clapping. It's going to say in a minute, obey those who are in authority over you. Don't ever do the offbeat clapping, all right? Hey, if you find yourself in a church where they're more, you know, into it than what we are, they're, you know, kind of dancing in the aisle and the Holy Ghost jig and they're going to town, join in with them. Join in, get, you know, go in and say, hey, I want to be in one accord with these people. Put your pride aside and just join into worship. Or if you find yourself in a very churchy church and there's a lot of stained glass and candles and they've all got their hymns out and all their suits and ties and they're holding their hymn, then don't start dancing a jig in the aisle. <laughs> get your hymn out, you know, book out. Hold it, get your baritone on and go on and start to sing, you know. Uh, it is well with my soul. Just get into it. <laughs> sing it the way they're singing it. That's worshiping in one accord. But worship, really shut the world outside and set your hearts on God and lift him up. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of the people or another way that it's said there is that God is enthroned on the praises of his people. That means when you begin to worship him, there's a way that God is among us that he's not with us if we're not worshiping him. And this is something that I've been praying for us about as a body, that we would even become greater worshipers that we would worship all the more, putting the things of the world outside and really lifting him up. Now it says that it's a sacrifice and it also says it's a sacrifice of the lips. So for those of you that do this when you worship, or this one's worse, worship's going on and someone's like this. <laughs> How about this one? Worship's taking place and someone's like this. <laughs> See, that's me when I'm judging people as to whether or not they're worshiping. <laughs> all right, so... Therefore, let us uh, continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in his name. So it's not only praising his name and getting into the songs and understanding what they're saying and giving God that glory, but it is also being thankful to him, always being thankful because no matter what's going on, you can be assured that God is working in your life. Now, he goes on to a new topic in verse 16 where he says it's connected by sacrifice and remember, this is a list of Christian conduct. So also when we gather together, not only that we lift up a sacrifice of praise, but do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Don't forget to do good. The, the Bible says that God is good. The Bible says do good to all men, but especially to those of the household of faith. That means that when you get up in the morning, you ought to be looking for ways to bless people. You ought to be looking for ways to do good. You do good when a guy turns on his turn signal next to you and you slow down and let him in. Seriously, you're doing good. If you cut him off, you're getting in here, man. You ever do that to somebody? They turn on their turn signal, you speed up. No, not in here, not in here, not in here. So then they pull in behind you and you've got the Jesus loves you bumper sticker in the back. <laughs> Jesus loves you, but I don't. I cut you off. You're going to get in front of me. No way you're going to do that but that you look, go out of your way to find a way to bless one another. Find somebody at church here who's lonely or maybe sitting by themselves and not connected with anybody. What does it take for us to go up to someone and say, hi, my name's Robert, what's yours? You've been here for a while, begin to talk to him. 
Just make them feel welcome, do good, uh, and share. I love this. Almost looks like it's talking to kids. Remember to do good, okay, and share your stuff. Because the kid's like, mine, it's mine, it's mine. God says, share it. I'm hanging out with my grandchildren a little while ago. One of them's 10 months old, around there. The other one is four years old. And so I'm holding my, my youngest, okay, the, my youngest grandson, and uh, my granddaughter, who's hyper. I don't know where she gets this hyperness from. Nobody in our family. <laughs> and she comes running over, and she hugs him. And I'm th- already gentle, gentle, gentle. And she kisses him on the forehead. And I'm like, exactly like I'm like, this is, I was well pleased. I was like, this is awesome. I'm sure the time of biting and hair pulling and shoving will all come, all right? But right then, I think that's what this is saying when it says, remember to do good and and share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. When we do that, when we're willing to give, when we reach out to people who are suffering, when we're willing to take of our finances and help someone else, God's well pleased with that. And he sits back and goes, that's what I want. Too many of us are pulling hair and biting and fighting, causing strife and contention within the body of Christ. And I just think when we walk in love and we do good and we're doing those things, God's well pleased. Now it goes on in verse 17. And I love this verse. This is my favorite verse in the Bible. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. (laughs) There's another passage that talks about obedience to those who rule over you, but especially those who labor in the word of God. Now, this is to the body. That what God wants is for there to be a sense of receiving and accepting the person that God has placed in as a gift over the body. There are rulers, and God wants them to be with joy. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Jesus said this, Truly, truly, I say unto you, if you receive someone I sent, you receive me. And if you receive me, then you receive the Father. That is Jesus who is perfect, without flaw, spotless the spotless lamb of god sends out men as gifts to the body who are flawed who are imperfect right because there's no one is perfect there's no there's no perfect church people that are on a search for the perfect church you've heard it said if you ever find the perfect church don't join it because you'll ruin it (laughs) right there's no one who's perfect and there's no pastor who's perfect but if you are confident that this person has been placed by God here. When you receive him and all of his imperfection, when you receive him, you receive Jesus. And when you receive Jesus, you receive the Father. So it's a way that God says, I'm gonna be in your life and I'm gonna work in your life if you can receive that person. And here it says, obey them. In 1 Peter chapter five, he says to shepherds, to co-shepherds, Jesus, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd, but he says to people like me that have been sent out by God, he says, don't lord over the people. And don't do it because you have to, but do it because you want to, do it willingly. Could you imagine pastoring because you have to? What a horrible thing that would be. Do you know that the average pastor stays in a church for three years and then they're gone? Actually, let me put it this way. The average pastor stays a pastor for three years. Not just three years in one church then moves on to another church, on to another church. The average pastor is a pastor for three years and he's like, I'm done. What do you think the main reason is that pastors cite as leaving? And don't say running out of sermons because I do think that happens, but rarely. You know what it is? What I call sheep attacks. That's it. And sheep can be brutal, man. They come at you, their little flat teeth. (laughs) Sheep attacks can be brutal. But that's one of the reasons that they leave because it's such a drag for them. They aren't doing it in joy anymore. You heard about the guy, Johnny. His mother comes in in the morning, Johnny, get up, you gotta go to church. Ah, 
I don't want to go to church. You got to go. Why do I got to go to church? Because that's what God wants you to do is go to church. And because God blesses you when you go there. And on top of that, you're the pastor. (laughs) It says, do it not because of dishonest gain, but lead them by example. So for the pastors, there's the direction. And then for the people, it's that God's given these gifts and obey those who rule over you. You have the choice to put yourself under someone spiritually. And listen, if you're not confident the person that you have put yourself under spiritually has been put there by God, if you say, well, I know, receive them and someone Jesus sent, but I don't think he sent, then what are you doing there? Why are you there? Don't put yourself under someone that you go, I don't think he was sent by God. Put yourself under that person knowing that he's not going to be perfect. And certainly they don't live in an ivory tower. We don't live in an ivory tower that can't be approached, right? We should be able to criticize but you don't want to have the spirit of criticism. Criticizing something that's going on that you would like to see change or that you don't think is right is good and should be done. A spirit of criticism within a fellowship can destroy it. A spirit of criticism can permeate and cause bitterness. And some poor pastor that's in this church where there's a spirit of criticism and everything is criticized and torn down and he's certainly not doing it with joy. Look at what it goes on to say here in 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as ones who must give an account. I heard John MacArthur say one time, I don't want any more people in this church because I'm not sure I'm doing a good job with the ones that I've got and I got to give an account to God for it. If someone like John MacArthur says that, what hope do I have? It goes on to say, let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable to you. Let the pastor pastor with joy and not with grief. How many guys have quit because they're just no longer have a joy in in ministering i heard of a church there there are some churches that have a formal membership we ask you guys to be members here because you commit yourself to god and to this body okay but there's some churches that have formal membership and you go through a lot of hoops and you sign a paper saying i will give my money to this church okay that's what you do when you join as a member but you have the right to vote in and out your pastor and someone in the church can call for a vote of confidence on the pastor so this guy had a vote of confidence called on him and he had to go on that Saturday morning. They gathered everybody together. And, he went, and somebody got up and said why they think he shouldn't be there. And then somebody got up and said why they think that he should be there. First of all, I wouldn't want to go through that, okay, by itself. But then he was voted in as pastor by 51% of the body. And he got up and resigned. Could you imagine ministering to 49% of your flock when 49% of the people don't want you there? <laughs> you know, you just look out and there they are. You know, you're supposed to be here. You want somebody else. And you're here. He just quit. He said, you know what? I, I, I quit. Let him do it with joy and not with grief because that would be unprofitable to you. It's not that he's saying, I'm going to get you. Some people think that's a threat from God. If you don't do it with joy, God's going to get you. It'd be unprofitable for you if you're out there making pastor's life miserable. I'm going to get you. No, he's simply saying, if he's able to do it with joy and not with grief, then you're going to benefit from that. I mean, we have, a, we have a good time. We enjoy being together by the joy of the Lord, by God being in our presence in our midst. And when we can do that, there's effective things that take place. But if what's done is done in the spirit of criticism, if everybody's angry in church and the pastor's even up and angry in church, there's not anything really happening that's going to be effective, is there? So finally, he throws in the towel. And so it goes on to say then, let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would be profitable for you. And then finally, and here's where he wraps the list up. He gives them the last thing, pray for us. He's given them this whole list of what they're supposed to be doing in Christian conduct from verse one. And now he says, pray for us. Because whoever the author is here, and I believe it to be Paul, but could be someone else, 
whoever the author is, believes in prayer. He says, pray for us for, this is the reason they should pray for him, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Kind of an odd thing to say. Pray for us because we deserve it. Not because of what he's done, but because of the position that has been given to him. Pray for us because we are desiring to do everything honorably. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on KGUN 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.